everybody, welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. Tony and Draggy joined here by Andy Martinez. And Andy, this is the best of 2023 podcast, so we're going to get to a bunch of really good clips from former players, uh, from some of our marquee sports network colleagues here. But for you, you know, we look at this year that was for the Cubs, one game short of the playoffs, 10 under, you know, in the middle of June and then still getting back in the playoff race. Like, what kind of stands out to you about this Cubs season? I think it felt like the first real, and maybe the pandemic had to do with, with this, but it felt like the first real exciting Cubs season in a long time, probably since like 19, if that's fair to say, maybe even 18, mm-hmm. um, just because there was a push towards towards the end. And they played up right up until the second to last day with, with something on the line. I thought it was just a fun season. It was a change of pace from especially the last two seasons where September really felt kind of almost like a drag. That didn't feel like the case this year. I mean, if everything, every pitch mattered, every game mattered. And that's, as a baseball fan, that's all you could uh, really ask for. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I mean, even going back to the start of 2023 calendar year, we had Cubs convention for the yeah. first time since early 2020. So it felt very much normal and, and like the that energetic, fast-paced Cubs year that we grew accustomed to before the pandemic yeah. kind of came and changed everything. But what you said about September is really what kind of stood out to me is that that was all that I was hoping for. That was all that we talked a lot about in the podcast. And I think most Cubs fans were asking for is like, just be in the race in September. And like from our perspective, we wanted to cover a team that was in the race and, and we didn't want to cover a third straight sell-off where, like you said, August and September are just like, they're tough baseball to watch. There's a lot of guys on this team that are either vying for their next job, and many of them are vying for their next job, not even in Chicago. So, yep. you know, it was it, those were interesting stories to, t- stories to tell. I, I did enjoy parts of that in 2021 and 2022, but I wanted to see competitive baseball. I wanted to see a team that was in the race for however long. And, you know, really it came down to the final weekend of the year that they were in the race in some capacity. So from that regard, I thought that that was like a successful year. And going into it, I thought that that was possible, but I didn't know how particularly likely it was. So that's one thing that'll stand out of 2023 was kind of getting back to, like you said, what the Cubs expect and resetting the standards and resetting what they believe is a franchise, what fans are expecting and stuff moving forward from this team. Yeah, I think if you would have told me like the season would pan out kind of like how it went for the Padres or Giants, right, where it's like they were, I mean, the Padres are maybe a little bit different because there was extra expectations on them, but in the sense of like, it's really competitive all the way a year or all, all, all throughout the year. And then the last couple of weeks in September, they faded off. I would have thought like that. That's pretty impressive uh, upgrade for the Cubs, given the last two seasons to play to the second to last day, um, to be in that position to work fans and the front office and Tom Ricketts, the owner are upset at how it ended. I think mm-hmm. shows just how much they grew in one season. And I think that says a lot about the team and with the direction of the organization. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, we'll have you covered for sure uh, throughout all of 2024 on the Cubs Weekly Podcast here as the Cubs work to kind of live up to those expectations and move forward. But let's take a little bit of a step back and look at some of the best moments we had on the 2023 Cubs Weekly Podcast here. Let's start off with Jamison Tyon, the the Cubs player that we had in studio here. He came in and uh, he talked a lot with just about like why he signed with the Cubs and uh, what his offseason looked like. He actually came in on Halloween, which is kind of fun. But my favorite part of it was where he read some tweets that and had to guess whether it was from himself or from his teammate. And if they were from a teammate, uh, which teammate? So I thought that was a lot of fun. So take a watch and listen to that. We've got, we'll call it best of seven. 
and we have seven tweets from current players, including yourself. All right. We're going to have you read them aloud, and you're going to guess who who uh, tweeted them out. I got it. All right. So these are the tweets. These are from all... 2023 roster players yes. or yes. myself? Yeah, yes. or yourself. And right. the name's blacked out, so it's just the tweet itself with the date. All right. So on December 11th, 2013, someone said, I hate the dentist. I know that's not me because I actually love going to the dentist. Wait, you do? Yeah. Really? I, I like going to the dentist. Okay. It makes me feel really good. It's like getting a haircut for me. That's, like, I right. like going to the dentist. So... Um, you can give hints if you need them to. We, we don't need to do a struggle forever. Who would say they hate the dentist? Who would be on Twitter in 2013? <laughs> uh, Cody Bellinger. No. Does it say on here? Do you have a next guess? Otherwise, we can give you the answer right now. Mm. It was Nico Horner. Nico. I was yeah. literally about to say it really? wouldn't be Nico. I feel like he wasn't like a Twitter guy back in the Ten day. Ten years ago, he didn't like the dentist, and he did like Twitter, at least enough to say he hates the dentist. Surprised. Yeah. All right. Nico's got good hygiene. So, <laughs> all right. Do I, I just flip? Yeah. I can take the used ones if you want. <laughs> I can already tell you this is going to be me. <laughs> I feel like if Billy Madison were a real-life person, we'd be really good friends. Time to sleep hard. So that's March 1st, 2011. That would have been my first big league spring training. Or no, my first spring training in pro ball, minor league spring training. So I'm, I'm thinking that's me. I love Billy Madison. Um, I actually met Adam Sandler this really? year. During the All-Star break, I stayed in New York, and I rode the elevator with him at my hotel. And I, I talked to him and told him I saw him at the Yankees-Cubs game the day prior, and I'm a big fan. He was really nice. That's awesome. This is me. Yes, that was no, you. Yeah. I was all over that. Yeah, appreciate the story after. That's great. Nothing gets my fired up like some bad <laughs> blood. Taylor Swift with like the little demon emoji. I know that's not me. 2015. Who gets fired up to Taylor Swift on the Cubs? Is that like a Patrick Wisdom maybe? It's not. It's a good guess, but uh, this guy has some dog in him. Justin Steele. Yeah. He actually does tweet about music a lot. Yeah. He always tweets about like Morgan Wallen and stuff. So yeah. Yeah, Steely. That makes sense. He gets on to some Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> Team nutritionist meeting. Dot dot dot. Just had two plates of mac and cheese with sausage and three rolls. LOL. <laughs> uh, I don't. I think that was me, but I do remember back in the day we had team nutritionist meetings in spring training. This was 2011. 2011, yeah. which would have been my first. You know what? I'm going to say this is me. It was you. It was nice. Wow. Yeah, I remember we had a nutritionist. Like I feel like the Pirates were ahead of the times back then doing nutrition meetings in 2011. Yeah, man. I was skinny back then, too. <laughs> believe it or not. Sudden death fencing. Hashtag intense, hashtag to the death. Sudden death fencing. Who would watch fencing? This was from July 28th, 2012. Who would like gamble on that or something? You know, someone, <laughs> I'm going to go with, uh, my. I want to say Mike Napoli, but he's not a player. Yeah. I'll go um, Michael Fulmer. No, uh, Ian Happ. Ian Happ yeah. likes fencing. Intense. All intense. Right. Which would have been an Olympic year, so I assume he was watching uh, it during the Olympics. Yeah. Makes sense. Is it just me, or do I get the loudest buggy in all of Walmart every time? Hashtag my luck. 
I could see myself saying something like this back then, but I don't think I would use the word buggy. Yeah, I think, I think that's... I would, that's say, I would yeah. say cart. Yeah. So I don't know who would say buggy. Is that a Southern thing? Like, is that a... I, we didn't know until we, like, yeah. saw this and... Do I get the loudest buggy? I've never heard it called buggy until I read this tweet. Just me or do I get the loudest buggy? Um... Uh, is that like a Mike Talkman? No, it's Steel again. Steel. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. It is a Southern thing. Yeah, I know yes, it is. So I, yeah. yeah. My gut wanted to say Steely, but yeah. I didn't know we'd have a repeat. Sorry, <laughs> it was it was too good to keep Taylor Swift and Buggy out of them. So yeah, we had to go that's with a them. good one. You always want what you can't have. Hashtag Chick Fil A on Sundays. I feel like this could be anybody. I feel like that's a very common theme. Um, I could see myself saying that. October 20, 2013. I think I would have been in the Arizona Fall League then. I don't think that's me. That's going to be... Um, I don't think Jan was a Twitter guy. Is that like Stro? Is that Stro? It was you. Me? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. So in the Arizona Fall League, you wanted some Chick-fil-A on Sundays. I huh? needed it. I yeah. really needed it. <laughs> yeah. All right. We also spent the year talking with a lot of Cubs alumni. We caught up with them via Zoom at Cubs convention. One of our favorite ones we got to talk to was Pedro Strope, who told an awesome story about hitting a home run off Anthony Rizzo at batting practice. So let's take a listen. Do you wish you had an opportunity to hit more in the big leagues? Uh, we know, obviously, you had a few chances, and then I, we found a clip of you taking Anthony Rizzo deep at a workout at Wrigley in like 2015-16. But do you miss uh, ch- you know, wishing that you had a chance to, to hit more in the majors? Definitely, yes. I was always chasing the opportunity to swing the bat. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I have couples. I have um, – uh, I didn't get a knock. I didn't get a base C, but uh, he hit the ball really well. I remember against the Pirates, I hit a rock to center field, which my cushion was surprised. It was like, it was like <laughs> he, gave <that> weird, <laughs> he gave that weird face like, uh-oh. And then the only knock I got was against Rizzo. He, he – he said he was tricked me out. I was like, no chance, Rizzo. I smashed that fastball. 86, 75, I smashed that thing. And he didn't believe me until I, I, I hit a homework against him. <laughs> so you remember that vividly? Like you remember that interaction with Rizzo and, and him talking smack and then you taking him deep? Yeah, of course. It was the whole season. He was like trying to like host us to talk. Like, let's do it. Let's do it. I know after the season. The day we're going we're gonna to the field to pack, that day I'm gonna, we'll, we'll do it. And I remember that day I was just packing my stuff and he came to my local press I'm ready. I was like, I don't want to do it, bro. I'm I'm like sore back and all that, you know, long <laughs> season. And he's still like, let's do it. I was like, okay, all right, let's do it. He just threw two pitches and I caught him. <laughs> That's awesome. What did he say afterwards? What was the did you have the smack talk to him? He he gave me the uh I think it was the bat. He he signed my bat. <laughs> I still have that bat here at home. Among the Cubs alumni category, we also had Miguel Montero. Uh, he was at Cubs convention. He sat down with us to talk about the game seven, but particularly like the ninth and tenth innings and what it was like to come in and catch after having not caught really at all throughout the World Series up to that point. The most difficult thing was catching yeah. the bottom of the ninth inning with the game tie. I mean, I haven't caught one inning in the World Series. I really don't have any feel for the other hitters. So for me to come catch, which I know if I make the 
minimum mistake, we can lose the World Series right there. It was a lot of pressure. I, I was like, man, you know, like, uh, I honestly it was like, it was the most demanding thing in my career, just the, those two innings of the game seven behind the play. Because, I mean, like I say, I, I, I got to catch Chairman where he just give it up and it comes to top of the order. I'm like, you know, I don't like my ads. And for me to come to catch and losing the game, it was going to be probably, the, I'll be devastated for the rest of my life if that would have happened. So you're more proud even of the two innings you caught yeah. rather than even the hit, you know, that led to the eighth run in, the, in game seven or even the grand slam. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, okay. the homer you like, I mean, it's something that's going sure. to stick to your life. But like, as a catcher, that you take so much pride about calling the game and calling good game and carrying it. I feel like those two innings were really, really important uh, for the team and for me because, I mean, like I say, I didn't catch one inning in the World Series until that point. So it's like... It's a lot of pressure. It's yeah. a lot of pressure. Another player we caught up with at Cubs convention was former Cubs pitcher Ted Lilly. He shared some stories from one of the team's ultimate prankster, Brian Dempster, including a funny one involving some Icy Hot. We had a ton of fun, and, you know, just talking about teammates, thinking of some of the guys that, you know, that we had during that time that were an important part of the glue and brought people together. Um, I don't know if anyone was better than, than Demp, at, yeah. you know, um, at kind of unifying a club. Mark DeRosa was one of the best. Henry, we had Henry Blanco during that time. So, um, but there was, yeah, there were some pranks going back and forth. He had gotten me one one day pretty good in spring training, and I had uh, during the game, spring training game, I went into went into the locker and put some red hot on his jeans, uh -huh. his, his underwear and some jeans. And so, um, I think I've told this story before, but. When he felt it on his underwear, he threw his underwear out and just put his 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 jeans on or shorts, and didn't realize that I that I had put the red hot on that part too. And um, after the game ended, we were we were going to go play some golf. He, uh, um, I'm already on the freeway, and he passes me with one leg out the window, and the and the, and the window down, and the AC blasting. Uh, so trying to trying to cool off his his uh, his junk. So so, so the, the the prank worked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I and it's you know with Ryan it's pretty risky. Yeah. Because uh, he he can come over the top with the best of them. So we also had a chance to catch up with Mike Fontenot at Cubs convention. Cubs fans will remember him fondly from the mid two thousands and particularly from the two thousand seven season. So Fontenot actually has gone into the corporate world. He's left baseball. And he shared a story about how he has this big photo, framed photo, of himself crossing home plate after Ramos Ramirez's walk-off in 2007. So he shares that moment, what it was like to run the bases, and just what that whole season kind of meant to him. We're jumping up and down at home plate, and the picture is Ramos jumping up to high-five Cliff Floyd, and uh, I think it was Soriano, and they're like all mid-air doing high-five, you know, and I was just, I just scored. Um, so that, that's funny you say that, because that's the exact picture that I have in my office. That's pretty incredible. Like, what, all right, so what was that moment like, being on base for that, but then also, like, how how insane was Wrigley Field in that moment? Oh, it was crazy, man. It was, uh, you know, that's why you play the game a lot for moments like that. That just makes it, you know, all worthwhile. I mean, there's a lot of perks, and it's fun either way, but, you know, when you get to go through a moment like that, it, it's awesome. So speaking of 07 and obviously 08, you were a big part of, like, very, very good teams here. Can you just describe, too, like, what it was like coming to work 
just we talked about the Wrigley Field aspect, but just this fan base, this passionate fan base, knowing that the team was so good. In 08, you guys, you know, had the best record going into the playoffs and were like World Series favorites by a lot of people. What was it like coming to work every day and the, the belief and confidence you guys had in the clubhouse with those teams? I mean, those were great years, man. We, like you said, there's, you know, the fan base is great no matter, even when, you know, they had terrible years usually. It's like you could go anywhere in the city and if you play for the Cubs, I mean, man, they take care of you. You could be the you know, on the 40-man roster, just got caught up in September, you're the 27th guy or whatever, and it's, uh, they take care of you. So this is, you know, great place to be according to the fans. And, you know, those couple of years, we definitely had uh, great teams. We had, you know, great guys on the team. Uh, we had so much fun. You know, when you have guys like DeRosa, and, I mean, I can name, you know, all the guys, but uh, it just makes it so much fun. And then it carries over to the field as well, you know, uh, you know, we wanted to play for each other. We had great ball players. Everybody's putting up numbers, and at the same time, we're winning games. You know, uh, and I specifically remember '08 when I think we won 90-some games that year. Yeah. And like you said, we, you know, we had very expectations going, you know, to the World Series that year. And of course, we got both playoff experiences I had with the Cubs. You know, we got swept. So, uh, and it was against the Dodgers that year. You know, yeah. when Manny Ramirez is one foot hitting balls off the ground, you know, out of the park. So uh, it just didn't work out. But, I mean, we came to the field every day almost knowing or really thinking we were going to win every game. All right, so one of the other former Cubs players, Andy, that we had a chance to talk to was Kyle Farnsworth, the, the former reliever, spent a bunch of time here in Chicago. His most famous moment in Chicago was that fight he got into with the Reds' Paul Wilson where he speared him to the ground. It was one of the most viral fights in baseball history, right up there with Robin Ventura and Nolan Ryan. And it's a moment that, that has followed Kyle Farnsworth around well beyond his playing career. So he shared how often he talks about that moment and just what his perspective was of that fight. So that was a pretty cool story. I was very surprised. I, did, I honestly did, had no idea the reason why he did until afterwards. So I think what happened was that prior hit Jason LaRue, and then I think Wilson then hit prior. No, I had no idea. I'm in the bullpen. So I'm just, you know, just relaxing, chilling out there, you know, watching the game. But I didn't, that wasn't even a thought process in my mind. Then when I come in, I think we were losing three to two and already had a runner on first base. Last thing I want to do is hit Paul and put two guys on <laughs> with no outs. You know, it, it, the ball just got away from me, kind of up and in. And I guess, he, you know, no, he just didn't take too kindly to it. And then, okay, I get it. But I definitely was not trying to hit him. It definitely surprised me when he came out after me. And the reason why I went towards home, because it's obviously a pass ball and I was covering home, you know, because it's an open base, the guy in second, never know. It was just reaction for me to walk towards home. And people would say, oh, you instigated because you walked towards him. No, I was walking towards just to cover home plate. Right. And so, you know, that's when he said, some cuss words towards me and I said some cuss <laughs> words towards him and then that's when he threw his bat down and I, I just reacted through my glove and picked him up threw him down and tried to get a couple of shots in before uh, dog pile how often are you asked about that because you laughed as soon as uh, you know you're probably get asked about that all the time right yes pretty pretty much uh they're probably you know multiple times you know if i go out and just direct random person that you know that's the first thing i say or a, a golf <laughs> yeah. event or something but you know it's, it's you know i'm glad i'm remembered in some some way or shape or form <laughs> the cup season started off as it usually does in mesa arizona and there's a lot of question marks going into the season including the state of the cubs bullpen one of the 
really emerging storylines of the Cubs bullpen was Adbert Alzali and him emerging into the closer role. I caught up with him in Arizona before the season started, before he knew what the what kind of uh, role he would take in in 2023 and how he was approaching that that bullpen mentality. Previous years, you prepared to be a starter. What's the prepper? What what differently do you do in the offseason to, uh, to kind mean, of prepare for that? It just changed my my routine a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. like I feel that as a reliever, you don't need to do too much to be ready because. Uh, the less throws you may and, and, and the fresher you are, like yeah. it's, it's, it's better because you're gonna be uh, pitching a lot during six months. So just uh, I, I just tried like during the off season, just showing my routine a little bit. You know, I, I will come every day and, and and start my preparation. Like I was getting ready for a game that day. You yeah. know, so like getting my my body used to that. And I feel that uh, just the going. Going back to the off season, doing all the preparation, I feel that really helped me to be in a good position right now. What's the what's that role like when you come in in like the seventh inning, eighth inning, and you know, hey, I gotta I gotta shut the door down to, to keep my team in the game. What's that adrenaline rush kind of like? I mean, it just goes through the roof because you know, like you, you you're getting where like the game is 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 on the line. You know, yeah. you're getting there when the game is on the line. So like you know, you gotta go there and attack the hitters, and and, and then just uh just come out of the bullpen and be a a shutdown guy. I feel that. Uh, does a role there. All right, so let's get into the season now, Andy. And as the 2023 campaign kicked off, one of the early series was the Cubs hosting the St. Louis Cardinals. That rivalry had a bit of a, a kick to it as Wilson Contreras, the guy who won the World Series as a rookie in 2016 here with the Cubs and spent a bunch of time, including starting three All-Star games, he had signed with the Cardinals. So then he was coming back to Wrigley for the first time. We actually had Dexter Fowler on the podcast, a guy who obviously was in Chicago for a couple of years, including that 2016 World Series team, who then immediately signed with the the St. Louis Cardinals after that. So Dex explains what it's like to come back to Wrigley Field and the opposite side of that rivalry. You know, I, I think it'll be. I'm gonna get my popcorn. I don't want to see what it what it's gonna be like. I don't I don't I don't have a clue what's gonna happen. But I mean, I know he has something to prove. Yeah. He's going to be out there, and I know how Wilson is. He's an intense guy. I, I know he's going to be out there trying to trying to prove, like, I should have been here. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll yeah, see. I mean, it's going to be must-see TV. Yeah. I was looking at it, man, it's, it's still early. There's there's some rain in the forecast, so hopefully that can stay away at least for a couple of days. But cool it, it's, cool him off a little it, bit. Or, or that, or that, yeah. Because so that, that, he's going to be hot. He's yeah, going to be mad. He's going to be intense. Like, yeah, yeah. I know everybody, we all know how Wilson is. Wilson's yeah. intense, right? Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's a it's a interesting series. I mean, that but like to that point too. Like we talked about how much they're struggling, but it's also like an opportunity. Like they they may be looking at it like as an opportunity. Like hey, like this is. I know Wilson is. Yeah, exactly. But even in like the like the Cardinals, like the Cardinals, even when they play, like they get up for right Cubs Cardinals, like as we did when we played the with the Cardinals. You could be winless, but it's still... Yeah, you're going to get up for it. So that's, sure. a, that's a jolt of energy right there. Like, both sides. I've been on both sides, and both teams get up for it. As the summer went on, the MLB draft approached, and the Cubs used that time to continue to improve their farm system that's vaulted into one of the top farm systems in, in all of baseball. They used their first-round pick on an infielder, Matt Shaw, who quickly ascended through the Cubs organization, reaching double-A towards the end of the season. After the draft, we caught up with VP of Scouting, Dan Kantrovitz, who kind of broke down the decision of drafting Matt Shaw and what appealed to the Cubs about him. Yeah, it's always nice when the track record of a player, his performance resume sort of jives with what our scouts are saying. You know, there's there's cases where a player will have, you know, really outstanding performance like Matt has had. And, you know, maybe our scouts are, um, you know, a little less optimistic on 
on sort of that that hit tool, for example, or power tool, or, or maybe it's vice versa, where you know our scouts are are, are really optimistic about a player's hit and power tool, and for whatever reason, it just hasn't um, you know he hasn't performed uh, and, and and really put it into practice. Uh, uh, but Matt's a guy that kind of combines both. I mean, he's got that impressive resume performance. Um, you know, our scouts were saying the same thing about, you know, his hit tool, his power tool, um, you know, his ability to control the zone. Um, so, you know, we're pretty excited about his bat. I mean, I think, you know, if you look at some of the, um, you know, some of the clips of him hitting this year, you can just see sort of how dynamic of a swing it is, um, you know, how quick his hands are, how strong they are. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's really optimizing, I think, the, the leverage in his swing and just, you know, every ounce of strength he has. Um, and, you know, then you combine that with somebody that, uh, you know, is, is, is sort of a top-notch work ethic, uh, which we're, we're pretty uh, impressed with and, and convinced that, you know, it, it, it is among sort of some of the best we've seen. Um, you know, I think that just, you know, lends itself to somebody that's going to come in, um, you know, hopefully have some, you know, success and then uh, also be open to some, some of our instruction from our hitting guys uh, who are among the best in the game. You know, and then defensively, you know, I think it's something where, you know, we're probably going to have to just let that play out a bit. Uh, he's versatile. You know, he can he can run. He can go get the ball. Um, you know, his hands are fighting to catch. His feet work. Um, you know, his arm works from, from uh, you know, from a few different spots on the infield. And so, you know, we're, we're going to have to see where kind of the best fit is there. Um, but I think I'd have to imagine that he probably starts at shortstop and then sort of, you know, goes either to, to second or third. And, you know, and, and then we'll kind of see where we are in a couple of years. So 2023 was a momentous year for the Cubs, just in the perspective that it was the 30th anniversary of the movie Rookie of the Year, a, a movie about a young kid who breaks his arm and suddenly is able to throw a triple-digit fastball, comes and plays for the Cubs, gets them to win the World Series. It was this, this epic movie that I watched at least once a year, multiple times a year, sometimes throughout my childhood. And we actually caught up with the star, Thomas Ian Nicholas, he, who played Henry Rowan Gartner in the movie. He came over to the studio here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast and just talked about at such a young age, what it's like to go out in the middle of Wrigley Field, because they filmed in between two games of a doubleheader, where everybody's chanting, not specifically your name, but for you. They were chanting, Henry, Henry. So that was just a cool story to hear from them. For me, it's so nostalgic the moment I step foot on the field, because it reminds me of uh, my first time, which we were just talking about before yeah. we started uh, you know, recording, um, about how my first time on the field was in between this doubleheader, Cubs versus Cards. September 19th, 1992, we were three days away from even starting to film the movie. And so we went to the field, 35,000 Cubs fans. Danny Stern got on the mic and explained to the, uh, the whole crowd, um, you know, hey, we're here, we're filming this movie. It's gonna be this 12-year-old kid who has this magic arm, uh, pitches a 100-mile-an-hour fastball and takes the Cubs to win the World Series. And 35,000 fans went nuts, of course. So he asked them all to chant Henry. And they did. And so as I walked to the mound, what you see and hear in the movie is what they did. And it was that's like a core memory for me of filming in Chicago is walking to the mound and 35,000 Cubs fans chanting, Henry, Henry. And there's a rumor that they did that in game two of the game, right? Is yes. that true? I mean, you were there. <laughs> I was not at game two because okay, we okay, left. Okay. But I, I have talked to Cubs fans that were at both games. Uh, I mean, in fact, you know, Colin, who just gave me this ticket, which was the original schedule of the Cubs versus Cards June 17th, 
it got canceled or postponed. So that's why it became a doubleheader, as you know, in baseball. Um, I, well, I'm learning all this stuff. I don't know a lot about <laughs> baseball. Uh, but uh, so, yes, when the Cubs were down in the second game, all the Cubs fans started chanting Henry again. That's pretty incredible. I mean, was that your first time at Wrigley Field then? In yes. Between the doubleheader? What... You described it being a core memory, but like what emotions were going through you as, you know, 12 years old, like going out there and doing that? The, the, the best way I can describe it is if you remember the scene in the yeah. movie, I was not acting. That, that look on my face <laughs> was what I was feeling. Like you can't really control how you're feeling at 12 in that sort of environment, yeah. no matter what training you have. So yeah, that was like, what you see is what I was feeling. And same, the yeah, bat in the movie, you know, 12-year-old, that's exactly how you would have done, like in the back corner of the box and uh, against the pitcher? Or how would you have handled that if I, it were real and not, you know? I don't know that I necessarily would have handled that one. I mean, we were over, we shot that at New Comiskey Park. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I guess the New Comiskey Park had blue, <laughs> a blue wall, which is why it looked like Dodger Stadium. Um, I don't know, I don't know that what I would have done. I mean... <laughs> Outside of, uh, you know, getting walked, I would have probably just been struck out. <laughs> Facing a real major league pitcher. Yeah, I mean, year old, that's pretty much all I did in Little League after the movie anyway was just strike out. So <laughs> so one of the top storylines of the Cubs 2023 season was Seiya Suzuki coming on strong towards the end of the year. We had Marquee Sports Network analyst Carlos Pena come on the podcast to break down what he was seeing from Seiya and how he can carry that moving forward. This game is so mental. Right, and sometimes the break, just kind of you, you release some stress. You take off that extra baggage that is unnecessary that you don't even need to carry, but yet we do because we're responsible adults and responsible professionals, and we care, right? And Seiya Suzuki is probably exponentially more um, so than, than the regular human, right? Because he's so, such a uh, uh, someone who takes this game so serious. You know, so seriously. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things that David Ross was saying. I think he's having a little bit more fun. Yeah. You know, um, I would say a lot more fun. Maybe that week helped him do that. Um, it's so important to kind of let go. It's hard to do. You have to let go of the result. You have to let go of so much responsibility and say, you know what? I'm going to go play baseball. And that way your talent actually expresses itself more freely. You're not choking it, right? That's what I've seen from Seiya. Look, his swing plays. His, his, his mechanics is so, such an organized stroke. Um, the approach could also, you know, one of those things that could be better, and I think he has gotten a little bit more specific about what pitches to hunt, what he wants to do at the plate instead of, instead of trying to cover the entire strike zone, being aggressive in an area, looking for pitches. But the swing is so organized and fundamentally sound that I'm like, this swing cannot miss. His skill is going to play in the major leagues. He's going to produce, and we've seen him at his best. I would say... His entire uh, Cubs career, right? A couple yeah. of years. This is the best we've seen him. Absolutely. And what a welcoming sight because this is uh, the moment that he's needed the most. After the World Series, the Cubs shocked the baseball world when they decided to move on from David Ross and bring in Craig Council as their manager from the Milwaukee Brewers. It was right before the GM meetings, and at the GM meetings, Bruce Levine and I broke down what Craig Council brings to the job and what he can do as the Cubs manager. The $8 million question, I guess, how does Craig Council get those wins? Because it's not like it's not like we can see home runs or RBI and see, like, that's how he got the team win. 
in, in Craig Council's case, there's not really a, a clear statistical way in how he gets wins. So how does he do it? By getting better players. <laughs> and David Ross would have had the same uh, situation. But here's the thing, Andy. Council got the Brewers into the playoffs the last five out of six years, okay? They do it on a shoestring in, Mil in Milwaukee, okay? They rarely have a, a payroll that escalates to $120, $130 million, never up to you know, what it was, I think, this year might have been its all-time high. But they're, they're going backwards. Council knew, you know, the handwriting's on the wall, and that is you're going to have to continue to be a small market, sign the best players, develop the best players, and use them stealthily to even get into the playoffs, which he did better than anybody. Right. But he's never gotten to the next level. Yeah. So with the Chicago Cubs, he knows they have the resources. He knows that they have the fan base. He knows everything about the Chicago Cubs, having competed against them during his career and as a manager. And uh, this was ideal. Not to mention the fact that he's going to be the all-time highest paid manager in history. That right. doesn't hurt either. Yeah, that doesn't hurt either. And there's two things that, from, from what you said, that kind of stood out to me. And, and the first one being, he uh, kind of when Jed kind of had Craig Council on his radar, and he talked about back in 2017, uh, the, the Brewers pushed the, the Cubs coming off a of World Series and being the best team in baseball. They pushed them to the very end of September uh, for the divisional crown. And Jed remembers thinking, like, there was a big talent gap that the Brewers had no business being there or even pushing right. the Cubs, who again were the defending world champions as far as they did. And that was kind of his his thinking where he's like, what are they doing up there? And, and each year, as you mentioned, it seemed like Craig Council was getting the most out of every single player and he referenced a famous Bear Bryant quote, right, where he can he can beat you with his players, and then he can take your players and beat uh, beat you with uh, his players. So it's a very very right. it, 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 it's very interesting that that's how highly he thought of them. And another thing that he mentioned too that I thought was interesting, you touched on a little bit, but like the the, the lack of quote unquote playoffs success. He's been to the NLCS just once. He, he has there's been no success for the Brewers in getting to the World Series or getting right. past the first round. And Jed mentions kind of the randomness that comes with the playoffs. And, and we saw that this year, right, whether it's the Dodgers or whether it's the Braves. And he talked about some of those teams that he thought were really, really good from the Brewers and just didn't make it. So I think there is definitely some, yeah. yes, that is a, a, a big uh, uh, big yeah. red mark, but it's not necessarily a beyond. Andy, Andy, keep this in mind, and all the great Chicago Cub fans out there realize this. The Cubs have not been to the playoffs in 2017. They haven't right. won. They, they were in the playoffs in 2020, yeah. but they haven't won a playoff game since 2017. Right. That's a long time now, okay? Right. So the expectations are high. Uh, I don't think David Ross, again, did anything wrong, that he no. wasn't on the right uh, way of going to be a great manager in the game. Their opinion is we're going to escalate this by getting the best manager in the game. So we finished out the year by talking to our Marquee Sports Network colleague, John Bugshambi, on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. He just finished his third season as the Cubs play-by-play -play broadcaster, and he shared some of his favorite parts of the job and what this job means to him. I don't think I can do it justice with words, but it's just like coming over here and just driving down Waveland in the ballparks right there. You know, we're, we're so lucky to have a park in you know what is effectively an urban environment it's just so and coming to that park every day so like i know everybody knows it but to i still have moments and i 
I guess I would say I appreciate that I still appreciate it every day. I still have moments where the sun is setting and I'm doing play-by-play -play and I'm taking pictures. Um, if you went through my phone, there are just random pictures from the booth because our view is so good. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that's, that's part of it is just it still washes over me that you're talking about, you know, going to work every day in a park that was built in the early 1900s and yeah I just I love it and I love the feel of it so I would say it's that and then um you know probably just in the macro that I've been doing it this long and that it's just such a game of connection so that you know before I ever took this job, I knew people with the Cubs and, you know, players, coaches, front office people. Um, and that's one of the things is I like connecting with people and I've gotten a chance to do it, you know, with tons of uh, broadcasters, players, etc. And, you know, with 30 teams in the league, it's, it's one of those special things that every time the Cubs are playing, you know, I'm connected to our guys, but then there's usually somebody that I haven't seen in a long time, you know, on the other side as well, and I love that. So that'll do it here on our Best of 2023 Cubs Weekly Podcast. If you want to listen to more of any of these interviews, check out our podcast wherever you get the audio version on Spotify or Apple or anywhere else, and then also in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app. We have every podcast from 2023 up there, so be sure to watch and listen to all of those. For Andy, I'm Tony, thanking you very much for watching and listening throughout 2023, and that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast.